0: Uh, we're going to be talking about the art of self-examination. And why I'm going to talk about this is the whole idea of tsaratz that's mentioned here, the, the uh, skin disorder. Really something sort of kind of came to mind and I realized, wow, there's a bigger lesson here for us all. Now, uh, to bring everybody up to speed, uh, let me just uh, say this. The, the people of God during the wilderness journey was at such a high level the skin of god dwelt right in their midst i mean proximity it wasn't like they were spread over hundreds of miles they were right there and the divine presence was there and if uh they developed this order called rats on their skin it's a white patch and they there was goes into very detailed description in in tazria mitzvah and um they would have this skin affliction, they would have to go to the priest. And we all remember this. Um, And we know that the sages of blessed memory say that the skin disorder had to do with something that was a spiritual problem. Okay, And they go through a few lists of things, one of them being evil speech, negative speech, or uh, the way you uh, communicate, or the power of your speech. And while I began to read this, I, I, I asked, well, do we have anything in our modern day that has... Any correlation at all? I mean, we don't have a temple. We're, we're a lot further away in, in righteousness than the people were in that time. What can we learn from this? And, and the reason why I ask this is when you go through all the Torah laws that are listed in this last portion and these two this this week, it seems that we're so detached from it all. Why? For example, without the without the holiness of the Beis Hamikdash, the whole, the temple. Then the rituals and the laws of cleanliness doesn't even apply. So one could make an argument: Why are we so obsessed about cleanliness? Why are we so obsessed about nida for women? Why are we so obsessed about uh, uh, you know semen for men and blood for sores? Why, why, is, it, why, why is it? Why is it? Why is it, we're so obsessed when we don't have a tabernacle? It really doesn't matter well as I really began to study I understand Maimonides addressed a few of these issues and one of the things that he said that was found it interesting is though we don't have a temple that clearly sometime after the destruction of the second temple came about what he labeled as a cult not a cult but cult of cleanliness does that make sense? why? why do you think that that took place? What, what was? Why do we think that all of the rabbinical laws that come out of the last two thousand years have come about? It's to remember the bezek magdash. It's to remember the Temple. And I mean, no, we are here trying to criticize the the, the rabbinical uh, decisions because uh, I have no authority to do such. But. As a practical human being, I go, well, what's the point of having all these things? We don't have a tabernacle. Uh, You know, is hell going to split wide open because I touched a a dead body at a funeral? No. Now, we know that all of the cleanliness laws are directly related, number one, to the priest and the, the temple instruments, right? So that's why that, that if, they, if they had a sore or they bled or any number of things or if their wife uh, was, was uh, dear in her menstrual cycle, he could not be near her if he has any practice in the temple. As a matter of fact, if he had operations in the temple, probably would cease to do those operations until she goes through proper uh, cleansing. With that being said, I asked myself, so how and what do we learn as B'nai noah and even even the, the Jewish community in this time, what do we take away from this? Once again, um, it's easy to begin to obsess about the minutia of cleanliness and not understand the the meaning behind cleanliness. Correct. It says in Vayikra, which is not the Torah portion. I mean, I mean in this Torah portion, chapter thirteen, verse two. It says, if a person has upon his skin a white blotch, discoloration, or spot, and it is suspected of being a mark of tzerat affliction upon his skin, he shall be brought to Aaron, the Kohen, or one of his children, the Kohenim. This pasuk introduces a Torah discussion of tzerat, which is translated loosely as leprosy. It's not like our modern-day leprosy. Tzerat is an infliction of uh, often translated as leprosy. But in this situation, in its appearance, there may be dim, dim, sort of similar uh, descriptions between uh, leprosy of today and sarats but they're not. Leprosy is caused by biological factors. sarats is caused by what kind of factors? Spiritual factors. It is a punishment from Hashem for misconduct. Now, I really am... Uncomfortable, using the term punishment of Hashem? Do you feel the same way? Like when I hear this, it's like it's a punishment. Because I clearly don't view one getting saratz a punishment as much as the loving kindness of Hashem. It's to let that individual know that something is askew. Something's not right. Say again? A causal and a correction. Correct. Why? Because... Whatever it was, whatever they had done, it was going to cause their separation from the Divine Presence. Meaning that they could not bring korbanot, they couldn't bring offerings, uh, they couldn't even approach the tabernacle if they were unclean. And if they were unclean, there was uh, it could cause them to be separated from their family, from their children, etc. And if that uncleanliness was at its worst they would have to go and live with the righteous non-Jewish people that lived in the outside of the camp. Now the people on the outside of the camp's responsibility is to make sure that they were able to recover in a timely manner and reflect upon their issues and return back into the camp. A person suffering from saratz cannot be cured through medical treatment. Instead, the process of seclusion is supervised by the Kohen, And during the period of seclusion, the afflicted individual is required to examine his or her behavior. The reason why I titled this, The Art of Self-Examination. The Kohen periodically examines the afflicted person and determines the status of the affliction. Upon the pronouncement of the Kohen, the afflicted individual is regarded as cured. At this point, the individual can begin the process of re-entering the community. In a moment, we're going to talk about what the sages discuss at length about this subject matter. You go, well, right, how does this apply to us? I mean, what, who, who do we go to? We don't have a Kohen to go to. We do have Torah wisdom. And the Torah and the wisdom of Torah actually becomes an elixir for fixing behavioral issues in our life. Someone asked me just recently, What is the difference in your life now than, say, when you were in your past life? What would you tell somebody? Why is Torah so important? And my first sort of gut response was to give them sort of a an ethereal mystical spiritual thing right because that's so, because you want to say well people's lives are transformed and it's the elixir of life it changes your life but every religion says that correct i mean really every religion says that i thought a little careful about it and i told him i said i'm thinking a long long time because i want to make sure that this that this is the right approach. Because I and I told him I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to make the sort of same comment that everybody else makes. And I said, the idea that this law, this writings that come from the Creator of the universe to the Jewish people is the oldest documentation of of divine law. The oldest. It's tried and true. It's been preserved. The evidence that its power is, 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 uh, is preserving is the Jewish people still exist. And they now have their land and their language has been restored. All of that is evidence that there's something very divine about what they have. And by the very fact that they have this doesn't mean that there are not universal truths in the world. I believe that all religions have some levels of universal truths that are very important. But the source of all of those universal truths are found where? In my Torah. It's found in our, in our scripture. And so the reason why I think that things are different is I've actually found the core elements of wisdom in the Torah. They're not intermixed with pagan ideas. They're not intermixed with philosophical ideas. It's just pure Torah wisdom. If someone were to set, uh, like uh, the ladies brought some of this, what do they call it? Non-dairy cheesecake for, uh, yeah, it was. But I I, I don't know who it was. I think it was Royce that was trying to give me the formula. And my head was exploding because like cashews and, you know, horn of witch's toe. And I don't know what else was in it. But like I had no idea. Like don't, I don't have no idea what's in that. Right, it tasted amazing. It was an amazing thing, but there was something—the the, the whole formula. Unless I was able to see the core elements of what's in it, I couldn't even begin to process how does cashews go into something like that and taste like cream cheese? Right. So the point is this: is a lot of religions provide you all kinds of like they products out there, but Torah provided me with the core elements of wisdom that I that when you look, you can look at every religion and go, well, I can see the connection in this religion from this Torah principle. But we have the source. That's what's amazing about this. Our sages discuss in length the spiritual shortcomings caused by tzorats. And we're going to talk about this for a moment. One prominent cause is tailbearing. What's tailbearing? Gossiping? Yeah, Telling stories? In Sefer HaChinuk, in his discussion of Tzerat, says, does not dwell upon the specific sins that causes affliction. Instead, he explains a different uh, lesson to be derived from these laws. It says this, Our behaviors affect the condition of our soul. Bottom line. If you're an angry person, you're affecting your soul. Matter of fact, it says that if you have an outburst of anger... That the Torah that you study becomes null and void. It means nothing. Now it says that you lose your Torah. But literally, you don't lose it. It's it's still in the cranial area. But what does it mean that you lose it? Its effectiveness is no longer there. Why? Your anger outburst has proven that your Torah has no effect in your life. Right? So the idea is that our behaviors affect the condition of our soul is a powerful idea. Righteous behavior brings us closer to, to the Creator. Blessed be He. His influence over our lives increases as we improve our character and our behavior. Conversely, our evil actions have a degenerative effect upon our souls. Such behavior creates a barrier uh, between the individual and Hashem. This barrier deduces the providential providential influence in our lives. As a as a result, it becomes somewhat of a punishment. It's always a punishment when we're not in the presence of God. Yeah, because eventually it hurts. It hurts. It's very painful. Look, unless you've had children and known and seen the the hurt of some kids, not one of my grandsons, but putting them in the corner and telling them, if you want to act this way, then do it over there in the corner, and it'll break their heart. that's like they their whole world crumbles and it's just because their nose is in the corner, and you don't love them any less. you're not literally punishing them, you're wanting to help them to understand that their behavior has affected their proximity to you and their, your relationship with, with them this is why uh, serots is so important to self-examination we live in a modern era we don't have serots so what do we have I think that we need to look at the signs of behavioral issues the results of righteousness or in, in, iniquity are real folks However, they, they are not concrete or detectable by our senses. This is the problem. How I wish it would be that, a, that a, a skin lesion or something would show up every time we needed to correct something spiritually. That would be easy. And maybe, maybe, just for a second, uh, entertain this idea. Uh, some of us would be looking pretty funky. Anyway, I'm just saying. Anyway, I know you were thinking it. You didn't say it just say let's just say just maybe is it possible that the reason why this needed to take place with the with the children of Israel is they needed something very physical and tangible to help them to understand something very ethereal and mystical and spiritual and that in our modern age postmodern age because we have all this great history of the words of the sages and we're right at the edge of redemption that somehow we without a temple without seeing the divine presence without seeing a fire come down from heaven we are asking ourselves how can we inspect ourselves isn't that the highest level at some in some way so maybe by hashem's loving kindness We are elevating ourselves to say even without those visible signs, we want to self-examine. We want to ask ourselves, what are the signs? The lesson is reinforced in a second way. Tzorats can only be treated through repentance. Now, this is why we know this is a spiritual disorder. Because what kind of physical disorder is only cured by repentance? Spiritual improvement is the cure. I'm reminded of the sin of Cain. And Hashem tells Cain, you improve yourself, sin is at the door, but if you improve yourself, you'll overcome it. Which means just making an improvements. And this is what I heard Rabbi Menace Friedman today on Torah Learning Channel. I was watching this morning and he was talking about the, the power of, of making the decision to improve yourself. That is the journey of repentance. Uh, it's, not nec- it's, it's not about arriving at a place as much as starting and heading in that direction. That a life of repentance is not about getting there and saying, I've done my repentance. It's about living a life that is of tshuva and repentance. Now, interestingly enough, let's look or examine just for a second uh, some signs of one's behavioral uh, issues that need to be dealt with that sometimes we can ignore. I think one of the best signs is how people communicate with us. And things that are said. Um, there are obviously there are obvious times when someone might say something to you in a private or public manner that humiliates you, embarrasses you, and mm-hmm. has nothing to do with your character. You know that that's possible, right? I remember being in a in a um, like a group. I don't know to call it like a some kind of leadership group when I was in the army and there was this other captain that the whole time that we were there for those weeks wouldn't look at me wouldn't talk to me if I'd come up in the crowd I mean it was obvious he just he didn't like me and so we got into this group session with a psychotherapist and we're all sitting there and he says I have something to say and everybody's all ears and he goes I know you I'm like what do you mean he goes I know you're kind It's like what kind am I he goes, and you're from Louisiana, and you ain't nothing but a racist, and I can see it all over you. I'm thinking, dude, this guy obviously doesn't know me, right? And I started to defend myself, but how, okay, what, no, I'm not a racist, right? I mean, what do you really say about that? I mean, total judgment of character. Did it cause some self reflection? Yes, because I wonder may, may, had I done something, said something, you know, joked about something inappropriate? And obviously I didn't, but those things happen. But what I'm talking about, if you constantly see the same problem over and over in your life, then it's time to go to the Torah and ask for some wisdom. That's what it means to go to the Kohanim. You need to go to the Torah and ask for some wisdom. Why is it that I have this same problem every time with individuals I work with, or with people in my family, or with my neighbors, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? If you have the same issue over and over, it's time to look at your character, not theirs. Because when we examine our character, this is, this is the great cop-out. We have these situations that come over and over and we want to blame everybody else all the while we're being pushed out of divine wisdom. Because how can we study Torah and really understand divine wisdom and really receive it if I have this block of some character flaw that needs to be corrected. So we can think about all kinds of character flaws that could be corrected. Now, in the 13th verse of chapter 13 it says this, And the Cohens shall see... And the has uh, has covered all the skin, then he shall declare the afflicted person clean, as long as he has turned completely white, as uh, he is white, he is clean. A person whose skin is generally healthy, but a small portion is afflicted with tzarats is unclean. However, a person completely covered with the affliction is considered clean. Now, I don't even understand how this works. This seems somewhat odd. A small batch of uh, splotch of tzarats is adequate to render generally a healthy person unclean, yet the person covered with the affliction from head to toe is clean. Now, here's a paradox can be explained through an analysis of the definition of tzarats. So this is what we got. Tzarat is an affliction of the skin. It must exist in contrast to healthy skin. This contrast is essential to the definition of Tzarat. Without the contrast, Tzarat does not exist. Therefore, a person completely covered with the affliction is not deemed unclean. Why? Because there's no contrast. It's the contrast. Follow me for a second. It's the contrast that points it out. So if you want to know your character flaws... If you want to understand what is, what is sort of natural temperament issues that maybe doesn't work well with other people, there are some, some of us have temperament uh, personality types that doesn't work with some other personality type. We all know those, those personality uh, assessments that you do. That's one thing, that's the tzorats that covers everything. You understand? That's just part of your temperament and, and it just doesn't work with some people. It doesn't mean you have a problem with your character. But when you have a spot, when you have situations that come up that always shows up at the same place, at the same time, I want you to know that it's not just a temperament, uh, what do you call it, uh, yeah, a personality thing. It's some type of disorder and it's important to be able to examine. For example, if someone always thinks that you're in a bad mood, right? Guess what? You probably are. You probably are. Yeah, and, and if you're not, then you need to say. Well, hold on. Part of my temperament, my temperament, I'm very what's the word for it? A person that's not introverted, mellow, there's another word. Melancholy. They're they're melancholy. Uh, personalities temperaments that they don't walk around all bubbly and happily but they're not unhappy or they're not mad Okay, but if you go well no I've taken personality tests I've been this way since I was a child I'm I'm kind of melancholy but does that separate you from Hashem no it really doesn't but at the same time you need to ask yourself am I a moody person Okay, really honestly ask yourself that these are the kinds of things that we're talking about. It's a contrast. So think about how normal what, what your normal temperament and your personality is, and then look at the contrast. If you see something that stands out, then go that's probably something within my character that's going to separate me from God. Now, m- m- remember, what does it mean to be separated from God now? We don't have a basic mitash a temple, so it's not like we can't go to the tabernacle or the temple. It's not like we can't bring sacrifices. So let me ask you, what good is your charity? Is it charity, a mitzvah? Yeah. What good is your charity if I'm blocking something that is effectively bringing me closer to Hashem? What other mitzvahs would I do? I see where you're going. I know where you're going. Yeah. What? By what you just said. Okay, so I'll, I'll, let me go around the circle and i get there. So any mitzvah that we have is at some level like, like an offering. It's like a... It brings me closer to Hashem, but if I am going to do a mitzvah without correcting the character issue, that I'm still blocking divine wisdom in my life. Does that make sense? No. Now, it says that the first way to repent is to give charity. Yes. Okay, but that's with the motivation to repent mm-hmm. and to change. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a person who goes, "I've got this issue. I need to deal with this." One of the first things I'm doing: I I'm humble myself and give. Okay? That will be seen and God's divine wisdom be imparted to you. It's considered tshuva. But if a person says, I'm, I'm a giver, but I'm going to ignore this character flaw that I have, divine wisdom is not going to draw close to me. It'll stay far away from me. I like that Satan says that a person that seeks honor, runs after honor, it will flee from him. I think at some level that a person who is humble and is contrite before God then the the loving kindness of god draws close to them and there's there's no problem with that so the idea is the contrast that's how we do it the issue also can be reviewed at a deeper level let's begin to consider in the closing here, another issue: a person afflicted with the discolouring tzaratz is immediately brought to the kohen. After the examination, the kohen must determine the status of the individual. The decision has various ramifications. That is the discussion of the parasha. It is sufficient to note the advanced tzaratz is far more serious than the preliminary form of the affliction. So, the ultimate answer is: if this person has it show up on the skin and it looks a certain way then the priest might say well do this do this and do this and then all of a sudden it shows up in the tent or his house or whatever on his clothes and then his tent it's like it's spreading so this character issue that we're talking about this internal thing that needs to be fixed is now beginning not only to affect uh, himself and others but also his physicality things in the physical world around him and and now we're getting into sort of mystical things, but Torah wisdom brings incredible goodness in your physicality, your job, your work, the people that uh, that you uh, deal with on a day-to-day basis. You bring about great mazel in your relationships and it's pretty obvious when your muzzle is working good because people enjoy being around you and why do we want to bring and turn off the fountain of God's abundance in our life by holding on to something that has created a blockage in my life and so what we find out is ultimately if we don't deal with this we'll find ourselves on the outside of the camp we're gonna find ourselves being like the rest of the world the rest of the world they never think about ever examining their character rarely do they ever think about I ah, i shouldn't have said those kinds of things i shouldn't have talked about those things so in in reality this is a very powerful thing imagine a person finds a blotch on their skin the three uh, the person sees that white hair is present may the person remove the white hair and then go to the cohen because the white hair is proof that all of a sudden it's it's growing no, it's against halacha. You can't remove the white hair. So don't think that glossing over the the uh, what do you call it the obvious sign of an issue in your life is going to change what the Torah thinks about your condition. For us to go to the Kohen is equal for us to seek Torah wisdom from a, from a rabbi or a teacher. Right? Go to a rabbi. You, we have access to Rabbi Abraham Ben Yaakov. We have access to Rabbi Wobi. Any of these people, if you have issues that you think you need to work through, it's important to do it. Now, in closing, in order to respond to these issues, we need to understand the, func- the function of this affl- uh, affliction. Sarat is divine intervention. The question is: In the twenty first century, postmodern world of the Noahide, B'nai Noach, in the Jewish world, is there divine intervention in helping us to deal with our character flaws? I would say absolutely yes. There is. Number one would be just simple study of the Torah and and maybe Musar lessons or the way of God or you know uh, the the path of the righteous uh, the path of the righteous. Uh, you read those books and all of a sudden your heart is smote with like, Ooh, I need to step up a level, right? I remember when we were going through the, the path of the righteous, right? Path okay. of the just, yeah. And we're going through it and we're all kind of looking at each other like, Eee, uh, wish we could pass this section up. <laughs> <laughs> right, like this is like we're way, we're way far away from being this. But this, this is a positive thing. So thank God we live in an age to where we can self-examine. Uh, we're in a society now where everybody's encouraged to take their own health into their matter, into, into their hands. And we would be foolish in our physical life not to pay attention to knots and abrasions and bruises and things that don't heal. And we would quickly go to the doctor. I would say be as, be as vigilant in your spiritual walk. Be as vig- vigilant in your spiritual life and say, "Do I are there signs? And if there are signs, then I need to take the process to bring about tshuva and repentance so that I can be close to God. That concludes the Shur, and now we will get into the discussion.